0: It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 137. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. Hey, Gary, how's it been going?
1: It's uh, It's been going pretty good, you know, into the summer now.
0: Oh, man, they are predicting a record heat here in Seattle, potentially this coming weekend. Mm. Record as in, um, I don't think... SeaTac, the airport where they take the the official uh, measurements, has ever seen a temperature above 99. And I think we're about to break that. We may actually get into 100. Uh, At least they're threatening us with that. Now, how much of that is, you know, uh, the weathermen doing their usual, um, oh, my God, the sky is falling, literally. (laughs) But, uh, you know, just to get people excited and clicking on their headlines. But uh, it's definitely been hot here, and it's looking like it's going to get hotter. So, yeah. Have you, I I don't, I forget. Does Denver ever get to those kind of temperatures?
1: Oh yeah. We've actually already had a really, we had a really hot June, um, some uh, hundred degree days already, not oh, wow. unusual for us for July and August, but somewhat unusual for June. Um, and even some parts of Colorado had record temperatures. I think we had our first ever, there's like a heat warning thing that the uh, national weather service gives out. It's like I forget what it's called, but it's like when it's really, it's like way too odd. (laughs) And it's the kind of thing that, you know, (laughs) Phoenix gets, you know, but I think uh, grand junction in uh, Colorado got its first ever, the first ever Colorado heat advisory thing uh, when it hit 110. Um, So that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's high altitude, you know, the whole state is high altitude, you know, our low parts are 5,000 feet. Right. So, um, you know, when you think of like, you know, Oh, Phoenix isn't really that far, you know, Arizona borders. Well, kind of borders Colorado by a point, a single <laughs> point um, at the four corners. But the, uh, you know, you're talking much lower altitude when you get to Phoenix than uh, when you you know, are up five to 12,000 feet for the other towns. I would in assume that
0: being higher means you're generally cooler. cooler exactly. Yeah. Which is
1: why it's so unusual that uh, it would be green junction. Yeah. We, yeah. We've got the heat here. So we've be interested to see how the rest of the summer goes. <laughs> You know?
0: Now, I know last week when we elected not to record, you mentioned that um, that was kind of okay because things were really hot right then and there and your, and your uh, yes. where your recording was not necessarily as comfortable as you'd like it to be. How are things today?
1: I've got some fans going, uh, and, and I have fans going. Keep in mind, my house is air-conditioned. <laughs> uh-huh. So I've got fans going even with the air conditioning uh, to try to keep it cool. I'm on the third floor and it's really uh, difficult for the air conditioning to reach here. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough. Summers are tough in my third floor office uh, because, of the, because of the heat. And, the, and when the sun pairs with the heat on a sunny uh-huh, day like today, uh-huh. uh, it's tough. I'd rather have a cloudy day at 100 degrees than a sunny day oh, at yeah. 85 degrees.
0: Yep, because yep, your house turns into an oven. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Well, hopefully it won't be too horrible this week. We'll uh, we'll see what your uh, what your state is like when we're done. Yes. <laughs> so I need to start off with a bit of a rant. Yeah. Um, in two of my other publications, the non Ask Leo publications, um, there have been issues with what people will report as "quote unquote" funny characters. Mm. I had it happen with Seven Takeaways a couple of weeks ago where some of the titles had some odd looking characters in them and a couple of other things. And um, it happened one week and I didn't do anything about it. It happened a second week. And all of a sudden a lot of people complained and I started looking into it and I, I reminded myself of how much I absolutely loathe character encoding because it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's horrific and I'll explain what it is to it, to our listener here in a minute. But uh, so Last week, I was out of town, which um, I'll actually talk about later on in in our in a cool part. But um, of course, when you're out of town, stuff happens. So Heroic Stories published early last week, and it had a massive, massive character encoding issue. And of course, we did what we think were all the right things to fix it. So we ended up republishing that same story saying, hey, it's fixed now on Friday while I was out of town. And of course, it wasn't. Um, The the best way to make sure that something is not fixed is to make sure you say it's fixed in the uh, subject line. So we uh, started looking into it. I started looking into it um, actually while I was out of town. And I discovered a new character that I had never seen before. Hmm. it's called a um oh gosh i have to go look it up um it's called a non breaking oh i'm going to let me take a look let me look it up real quick because it's one of those things that um is just it's it's obscure it has its own wikipedia page okay oh. right?
1: yes not non, so it's not a non-breaking
0: space. No, definitely not a non-breaking, non-breaking space. The, character issue, term? the issue is that, um, let's see, here's my email to my to my staff. Um, oh, I almost found it. Uh, let's see. Come on. It's here somewhere. Um, oh, here, here we go. So it's called a zero-width non-joiner. And like I said, there is a Wikipedia page on this topic. What it is, is it is, as its name implies, it's a zero-width character. In other words, it's invisible. It doesn't show. Mm. And the non-joiner part is that it is an indication that two characters which might actually get joined uh, in, in what they call, I guess it's a, a form of ligature. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's an indication that that shouldn't happen between these two characters. So, for example, the letters F and L are some of the ca- canonical mm-hmm. examples for this. There are cases where you want them to be two distinct letters, and there are cases mm-hmm. where it's okay for them to be kind of smooshed together. Visually, it's really difficult to see, especially on small fonts. It's definitely a thing and has been a thing for decades. And this zero-width non-joiner is the thing you put in between your F and the L to make sure that they don't get joined. Great. You know, sounds wonderful. Nifty thing. I get the purpose. Um, I didn't want it. And I don't know where it came from. The the we still actually don't know where these things came from. But as it turns out, the source of that story that we published last week had one of these in front of and after every word in the story. Okay, wow. fair enough. Should be invisible. And in fact, if you take a look at the story on the Heroic Stories website, um, it is invisible. You don't see them. They're there. Um, I have yet to figure out how to actually get rid of them. But they're there. And that's all well and good until you start sending that story in email. For reasons completely unknown, some email clients can't interpret that properly. Uh, Some email clients, including small email providers like Gmail and Mm Outlook.com. And as a result, every word in the emailed copy of the story had this funky looking character Uh, Or characters actually, before and after it, making the story essentially completely unreadable. So it was this huge, horrible, glaring error. That's the reason we decided to instead of just resending it on you know earlier that week, we just republish it on Friday, knowing with knowing in quotes that we had fixed it. Because what we had done is, how do you get rid of special formatting in documents? You copy it to the clipboard. You paste it into a text editor in yep. that's like notepad you then select it all and copy it again and then paste it into your um, your final document should you know, do it in our case WordPress it did not <laughs> this character survives apparently it's considered a quote unquote plain text character because it actually survives. Uh, multiple attempts, using multiple different tools to use this copy-paste technique to make it go away. Wow. Um, it's, it was frustrating as heck. Uh, so what I ended up doing, uh, it's, this is one of those cases where I feel sorry for people that don't have the skill sets to solve these problems, but it is so good to be a geek. What I ended up doing was modifying the PHP that actually creates the RSS feed that then feeds the email program. Mm. And I modified the RSS, the the code to explicitly look for and remove this character before it actually sends things out. Um, It's, it's the worst definition and the best definition of a hack that I can think of. Um, It's a very clever solution to an obscure Mm -hmm. problem. Uh, but it should never have had to happen in the first place. Hmm. Anyway, that's my little rant because this all has to do with character encoding. And, of course, when you start playing with character encoding across email, things get weird really, really quick. The problem is that because there are so many different email clients, so many different email transports, and so many different email um, um, services, that they don't all handle some of this advanced stuff correctly even now remember that email was originally created with just 127 characters the ascii character set everything after sure. that is an is an add on uh, normally, we now think of things like UTF or Unicode that actually handles like hundreds of thousands of different characters for international character sets and special character sets, and especially you know zero-width non-joiner characters. So, but apparently, somewhere in the chain of email, somebody's not supporting it correctly, and unfortunately, my readers of that particular email were the uh, were the victims. So, like I said, after I uh, managed to hack the heck out of the code that produces the RSS feed that actually finally does produce the email for folks, um, they got a clear copy. But that was really fun. What I did on my summer vacation is basically what that boils down to because it was a good <laughs> day of of investigation and, and figuring out just what the heck was going on.
1: Yeah. So that's my little rant. I've certainly had those times when I've been on a trip somewhere where something has gone wrong and I've had to, you know, uh, politely tell everybody around me, family members usually, uh, that I need to be left alone for a while. (laughs) I will let them know when I'm done and, uh, you know, uh, put myself in some place away from everybody else, roll my sleeves up and concentrate on fixing a problem um, that takes hours to fix. So. That's unfortunate. And I'm also, I count myself lucky in the email game here to, uh, you know, I've got a, a kind of homogenous, uh, you know, group that I email to, cause it's you know, the Mac most newsletter. Right. So right away it's should be almost hundred percent Mac users. Right. Right. There could be some windows users that want my iPhone and iPad stuff and they get it on oh, windows.
0: And, I know of at least one who's getting, uh, it, but, you know, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> And, and usually most of them are looking at it uh, in the mail app on either the Mac or the iPhone. Right. So, you know, when I, when I test, when I do my test email, I test it there. And of course I'm using the same code with different content every week. So it it comes out as expected. Right. Um, And when I created it, I did test it there, but I also tested in the Gmail, uh, you know, in the browser using Gmail. Right. Uh, but in Safari and Chrome, the two primary browsers. So, I uh, guess I'm a little lucky uh, there. One of one of the ways I luck out in terms of my audience and sure. not having to worry about sure. you know if if it did break for somebody in Windows, I mean, I, I may not I may not even know. It may be such a small percentage right. that uh, I may never even get a notification, and it may it may just yeah. go right by.
0: This was a, a large percentage of my readers. Yes. When, you've, when you figure it's like, what, what one out of 10 people will tell you when something's wrong. I had a lot of people.
1: It <laughs> makes you me. wonder how the character got there in the first place in a misused form. I mean, it was not the proper place for that character exactly. to
0: be. Yep, yep. That's and not how so it So my, my finger is pointing at Word, Microsoft Word, oh. um, only because... Um, it's usually words fault anyway, but we actually don't know the true origin of the uh, of the document, so we don't know exactly what all was uh, uh, you know had its fingers involved in creating it. The interesting thing is that um, heroic stories is is up to I think we're on like four years now, five years worth of um, publishing stories to a week, so we've got like two, three, four, five hundred stories already published, and it's all been turnkey. Uh, it's just, you know, we, we load them up, we, we queue them up and they just happen wonderfully. Uh-huh. The fly in the ointment this week was that uh, we had a new story. The stories we've had, have been publishing from our archive and the new stories, they come from us at us from multiple different directions using multiple different tools. So that's where this happened. But our, our process was absolutely uh, optimized for, yeah, the automation always works. Well, yeah, it didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, who needs to test that? It worked every week for the last 3, you know, 3 years. Why why test each individual uh, each individual mail? Yeah. Needless to say, there's a a pause in the automation right now and uh, when Friday's issue goes out, which is also apparently going to be a new heroic story, then we will be publishing um that only after I have personally vetted that it looks okay. <laughs> so yeah anyway character encoding and those who who've actually worked with me on this kind of, of thing in the past uh, you know folks who who've I've done some website work for will know that um, this is not the first time that I've said I hate character encoding because it always seems to bite me in the butt
1: it's it's tough it's it's, it's lots of different things and these ligatures are tricky I did a video recently on ligatures and Digging into it, it's amazing how much work goes into something that ninety nine percent of people doesn't even they don't even know it exists on computers. I mean, not only are there like, you know, fonts that automatically deal with say an F and an L, and and in a particular font they get joined together, um, and it and then the word processor is using. Have to like know that, and like know that there's a ligature involved here. But there were also variations in letters. So you may see like here's a capital letter A, and not realize that the font actually has three separate capital A's that could be accessed if you know what you're doing. And you and you really cared about the typography of you know if you're making a you want to make a beautiful I don't know newsletter or something. And you really wanted to go in and say, I'm going to have a nice big capital A here at the beginning of this paragraph. And oh, not that capital A, but the third variation of the capital A in this <laughs> right. font. There is a way to get to that. Right. And it just amazes me that, you know, Sometimes when you hear about features in Windows or Mac or whatever being dropped, I'm like uh oh, no, people aren't using that, so let's just drop that. It's like, yeah, but ligatures
0: still live on. <laughs> oh, there are people passionate about this. I'm absolutely, I absolutely guarantee you. Oh um, yeah, ligatures and and font pre- you know presentation of of text and fonts and so forth. Um, so you did a video on this recently. I would I love to r- see that. Why don't you make sure to, to include the link in the show notes so that we can. Uh, I, I I will I will do it, that. If it's publicly available, by all means, oh, it is. It is indeed, yeah. So cool. So let's get on to a more enthusiastic topic. (laughs) I'm enthusiastically opposed to character entities. How's that? Um, So, free software. Last week we or two weeks ago actually we talked about the cost of software and and a number of issues related to just why um, you know bugs and updates are way more complicated than you think, and yet in the face of all that. There is free software, Hmm. and I thought it would be really interesting to talk a little bit about why it even exists. Um, You know how it how it comes to be that you can get something for free, and this is um, you know as the the definition goes, this is not free as in speech. This is free as in beer. I mean, you are getting something for free that you can use or consume or somehow do something with. Uh And I think I see this a lot when people report issues with some of the free services that they're using, like Gmail or Outlook.com or Facebook. Facebook is a wonderful example of a free service because you and I, in order to use Facebook, pay $0 Uh and we get our money's worth. (laughs) We, we guarantee to get our money's worth or double your money back. Mm -hmm. The issue of course, is that there is a price to be paid. It's not, it's free in the sense that you're not paying money for it, but that doesn't mean that you're not paying a price. Now, exactly what that price would be, of course, is going to vary depending on the free service that you're using. Facebook is probably the most controversial because they're notorious for collecting data, uh, tracking you, uh, doing things with the information that they've collected about you, uh, aggregating it, trying to draw inferences and point you at information or things that they think you're interested in, basically selling ads. They are making money by putting ads in your feed or on your device that are somehow somewhat more likely to be things that you would interact with because they know so much about you. And it really does harken back to you know, if you're not paying for the service or if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Facebook, mm. I think, is the canonical example of that actually happening. Um, the same is true probably to a lesser extent, although many people would probably disagree with this. The lesser, the, the lesser component, and that is with services like Gmail or Outlook.com. Gmail, once again, it's free. Uh, the interface is amazingly, uh, ad- is not cluttered with ads. Ah, uh, Gmail's online service is actually pretty. Someone's at, the back door. Someone's at my back door. the um, <laughs> the The point being though, that uh, you know Gmail, it's a free service and they're not throwing ads in your face. So what is it that they're doing? Well, once again, probably un, probably very much like Facebook, many people believe that they are, in fact, collecting information about you, be it your, the some people believe they're actually reading the contents of your email, which I believe is not necessarily true, other than to perhaps identify keywords that they could, again, use to target advertising, potentially in other venues. So, for example, a lot of websites, uh, potentially yours and mine included, or at least, Uh, At least mine. I know that it does fall back to Google ads in many cases. Um, You know, the fact that I'm reading Gmail, which may or may not show ads, even if it doesn't, it's telling Google things about me that it can then use to show more targeted ads when I visit other websites that happen to use Google's ad serving technology. Hmm. Once again. I'm the product, right? The, the the service is making its money from the advertising and it's making the product free so as to get as many people using it as possible. It's a good product. It's in, their, it's in their best interest to produce a good email service that people are willing to use even in the face of potentially losing a little bit of their privacy. Microsoft's case is a little bit different, I think. Um, and that is that they're not necessarily doing the same kind of aggregation or at least the same kind of aggregation with the same kind of goals. They, I think, are a little bit more upfront about trying to get you hooked onto their products and have you then um, ultimately end up paying for something, Uh, be it your next version of Windows or more OneDrive space or more Skype phone calls or whatever it is that they're trying to, to sell you as a consumer. My sense is that, uh, you know, people who use Outlook.com or Hotmail addresses or any of those things, um, they're making money off the advertisements for sure. And the ads are definitely more blatant and more in your face in those interfaces than they are in a product like Gmail. But I think Microsoft has a longer term play by trying to entice people to use their software and use their stuff um, for free. Mm. Now we talked a little bit or we mentioned a little bit beforehand that there's other types of free that also play into all this. Free software, like open source software. And this is where I'd really like to get your concept, your, your um, um, opinion on you know, why does open source software exist? There's typically very little money in it, if at all. Uh, And we've definitely seen projects die in the open source world because Mm -hmm. there's just no incentive, no monetary incentive for the developers to continue to develop it. And, you know, to be honest, they got to feed themselves, too. So um, Mm -hmm. why does why, why do you think that open source software continues to be so very popular in a lot of different venues, even in face of the almost total lack of revenue?
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm no expert in open source software. I've never really done it myself or been a you know, participant in that community. But I gather that there's some reasons um, that people do it. You know, First, just because uh, computer programming is something that is usually done as a profession for money doesn't mean that people don't enjoy doing it as a hobby. Right. Um, certainly, I started off my career uh, when I was young, doing it as a hobby. Lots of people did. Um, so there is something to be said for uh, maybe somebody works a boring it job all day and it pays really well uh, and they're going to do that but to kind of feed their soul <laughs> they work on a cool little graphics app that they've you know been maintaining for the last 20 years that's open source you know um other times people do it kind of to build experience or a resume you know to uh, mm-hmm. participate in this open source project uh now if you know without having to ever have gotten hired as I don't know, say a graphics professional, you know, programmer who's a graphics professional, they could uh, now go and apply for a job at Adobe and say, no, I've never worked for one of your competitors, but I have for the last seven years been contributing to this graphics open source thing, which then impresses the heck out of the engineers there and they hire you. Um, There are, uh, there are companies, a lot of open source stuff. I think it's people do it when they're on the clock, right? So here's the deal. Your company produces software that does something, right? Part of that software is based on open source. maybe the core of it, like Mm -hmm. the, that, that it really does stuff. And then you, your company puts an interface on it and puts all these specialized tools on it and then sells it as a product. So to improve that product, sometimes you have to work on the open source software that's at the heart of it. And when you do that, you're contributing to the open source software while you're working and getting paid by a company that benefits from that open source software. Like an example might be, you know, Apple uh, uses WebKit as the basis for, you
0: know, um, Safari. Right. I was just thinking and, of of Google and Microsoft, both using Chromium, the open source. Chromium. Exactly. Source. Yes. So th- yeah.
1: th- those employees there, there'll be sometimes, you know, a, a Google employee, you know, expert programmer may. To say, okay, I need to add this to the next version of Chrome. And the way to do that is to first go to Chromium and add that to the open source project. Now everybody has access to that new feature. But now that that new feature is built into Chromium, we can now succeed in adding it to Chrome in the next version. So that happens a lot. Uh, so people sometimes do get paid, even though the software they're working on is free and nobody's paying for that. Um I mean, I've often thought of of just you know there's pro- I, I've often thought of coming out with my own software that's free. I have actually done free things in the past. Uh, and for me, the big block um, is the open source part, actually. Uh, I know other programmers would very much disagree with this, but this one time I was looking into throwing a free tool out there, and I thought, oh, Open source is a new thing because it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me make the, do this as an open source project. And I looked into it and I was like, oh, I really have to dot a lot of I's across a lot of T's and do a lot of things in a certain way to make this open source mm-hmm. and to be a good contributor to open source. Uh, it'd be a lot. I could just finish this now and then put it out there as free software, right. <laughs> not open source. It'd be so easy. And that's what I did at the time. And I think sometimes I think about that. People will ask me, um, is there an app that will do this on the Mac? And I look and I find, yeah, there is. But boy, it either costs or uh, in the case of a, a recent example I saw, it um, it is something that is free, but it's, you know, freemium, you know, or there's an ad in it or it's promoting other products or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really can't recommend it. Like I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, the ads for a cleaner app. You know, the app does what the person wants, but then they're going to get hit with an ad for a cleaner app. I don't like that. Right. So I, I can't recommend this to them. And I think, well, I could probably in a day or two create an app that does this. That's also free, but doesn't promote a cleaner app right. or doesn't pr- promote anything. And, but I would do that as just free software from me, not open source just because I don't have the time. And I know people out there who do contribute to open source are saying, it doesn't take that much time. You could do it. I could show you, you know, and all that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I I don't know. I just, I've never really gotten into it. It's funny
0: because I'm in in the same boat, right? I've got a couple of old utilities that I used to make available um, actually as downloads um, many years ago. mm -hmm. And I took them off just because, it wasn't worth it. But the thing that actually stops me from even producing free software, not just um, open source is the support commitment. Mm -hmm. In other words, to drop something on the world and then not support it, it does not seem like a good thing. And yet to somehow commit to supporting it to some level of, you know, to some degree um, for what would hopefully be a lengthy period of time. Also not something I necessarily want to take on. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I hear you there. It's, It's definitely an issue. Um, I mean, you could always, if it's totally free and you're not asking anybody for anything, you could always just say, you know, well, I'm not not going to support it beyond anything critical. You know, if somebody wants to ask for a new feature or get advice on how to use it in some way, it's like, oh, look, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have...
0: Time. You know, and I mean, and I—I I gotta say, I have run into so many projects and so many tools and so many actually WordPress plugins of all things that fall into exactly that category, and it's so frustrating because you know it does ninety percent of what you need, and yeah. the developer's not around to do anything about the other ten percent. I know um, yeah. it's 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 really really frustrating, and honestly, I don't want to be that guy, right? I just don't <laughs> want, I don't want to I don't want to be the guy to throw software out into the world and. You know, basically say be free good luck um it's just not what i want to do you know and i've i've
1: thought a lot because i've put out a lot of apps and before apps i put out a lot of i guess you would call them web apps and these were all games you know i've made most of my career doing that and in almost all cases those have been free and i've uh done different things to earn revenue from them, most notably advertising, right? In the early days, web-based games, their ads, even today, my apps have ads in them. Uh, But I've thought about all the different ways, uh, you know, I could distribute games. Sometimes I, you know, just say, this is three bucks, you know, and I love that actually. Like, I love when I put a game out and say three bucks, there's no ad in it. I don't have to design for an ad. You're not going to be bothered by an ad. Mm -hmm. Just pay three bucks and the game is yours. And that's it. And then it really simplifies design and all sorts of things. Um, But I've also looked at like in-app purchases, like, Oh, you could play the game, but you know, you're restricted in some way. And there are odd circumstances where it's completely free. Like I'm talking about, you don't pay anything upfront. There's nothing to pay for in the game. There's no advertising, nothing. It's just a free game that's out there. And the way that works, and by works, I mean it's never worked for me, <laughs> but I've tried it. <laughs> okay, then. And I, and I know it's worked for other people. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it's never worked for me. But the the, the way is, is there's this halo around a company and what it produces. So early on in the app you know, uh, store days, the early app store days, uh, you could put a game out that was totally free, no catches. People would download it. People would play it. And because it was so honestly free with no catches, it it would help it spread and grow and all of that. Then your next game comes out and maybe that's a direct sequel to it, you know, version two of that game. And that one costs or has ads in it or is premium or something like that. And then that's where you, you kind of make your money. You have to kind of plant that seed with the first one. And sometimes, you know, if it's a sequel, then you could see how obvious it is. You know, oh, I love this game and now there's version two out, but it costs, but I'll pay for it. Uh, Other times it doesn't have to be related at all. Just developers have noticed that when one of their games does well, suddenly their other games start selling. Like the algorithms will say, you know, let's boost everything from this company. Um, And so I have put games out there in the past where I've looked and I said, I don't think this is going to be a big hit. I don't think putting ads this is go- ads in it is going to help or try to charge for it. I, I'm just going to put it out there completely free, no catches, in the hopes that who knows, maybe I'll get lucky, maybe it'll be a hit, and then I'll make the money from my other games just because they get more downloads. And this did actually work for me. A lot of people have heard the story before, but this is kind of how I launched my career. It wasn't an app, but a book. I wrote a book, and um, it was a computer programming book. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find a publisher for it because silly me, I didn't know that you were supposed to go to a publisher first and pitch them an idea and then get a book contract. Then you write the book. Um, instead, I just wrote the book and then tried to shop the finished manuscript for the book right, around. Right. Um, and they all, everybody passed on it. And this was
0: 1984
1: mm-hmm. or not 84. Oh boy. 94 <laughs> child, uh, child prodigy. Yes, Wouldn't have worked in 84 because uh, this was pre-internet and it was um, I went and I uh, put it on AOL in, uh, in one of the AOL download areas because you could put stuff up on AOL back then before the regular internet was big. Right. And uh, I put it up there for free. And everybody uh, I told, uh, advised me against it. Said, "Why would you do that? Don't put it up there for free. You can't give. You can't expect to be successful if you're just going to give away like a valuable asset like that." But I had a feeling and not even though not a single person told me to do it, um, you know, told me it was a good idea. I put it up there for free. And with it, at first it got me a bunch of notoriety. Then at about a month later, I got a really good contract work gig part time, you know, outside of my regular mm-hmm, job, mm-hmm. Um, which made me way more money than a book contract would have. <laughs> but it was all because they had discovered that book for free right. and said, we, re- we should hire this guy. He's local. Um and then about 6 months later a publisher called me up out of the blue and said uh yeah we need somebody to write a computer book for this and we saw your free book online and that seemed pretty good would you be interested in writing one for us so I did get a book contract out of it and that launched everything that I did from that point on it was like the genesis of my entire career because I said free no ads no catches no you know upgrade premium purchases nothing here it is free I'll just see what happens.
0: Free as an investment. I like that. Yeah.
1: But anyway, we're getting getting a bit off the track here of the well, we free are, software, we are. you know.
0: I think I think that's an actually a really good story in that. Um, there are so many reasons that things might be free. The one that um you know, in your case it's it's an an accidental free taster, right? Here's what yeah. I'm capable of. Um, and uh you weren't necessarily intentionally doing it that way to drum up more business, but that's how it turned out.
1: Well, it it's comes down to the, like, okay, I had no opportunities to make money off of this content that I had. Right. So if I do nothing with it, I know what's going to happen. Right. Nothing, Yep. <laughs> you know? So my only option is to do something, which is to give it away for free. Yeah. And then it's a question mark. Then pro- what will happen? Probably nothing but not definitely nothing, just probably. And And so I took a risk. And I've done that many times with different games uh, that I put out there with, um, uh, you know, just about, I mean, even Mac most, I mean, really there was no revenue model the first year or two Um, just put content up there, make it valuable. Right. And be the producer of that content. And then, you know, see what happens. And eventually I found, I I would never have thought in 2007 that, uh, you know, something like Patreon and then YouTube advertising right. and then uh, online courses. <laughs> you know, that's what would come of Mac most when I started in 2007, right. never, never in a million years, but I predicted that. So, you know, why did I do it? If I didn't know what the outcome would be, well, create something about a friend of ours told, would always say, just create something that has value mm-hmm. and, and, it'll turn into a business if you keep going.
0: And it did. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And and the other part of it is that it's something that speaks to me is that you're constantly testing. And one of the easiest ways to test things is to throw it out there for free and see if anybody bites. Sure. See if there, see if there is value to it. To roll back just a little bit to some of yeah. the other models that um, I think people are familiar with, the other one that came to mind as you were talking a little bit about what you were doing are the free versions of software. Mm. Some, and this gets real confusing really quick for, for I'll just say, the average consumer, because the phrase free download is not a lie, even though you may have to pay for the product. The download is free, (laughs) right? Yeah. But to actually use the product may not be free or to actually have the product um, uh, implement its suggestions is not necessarily free. Of course, the scenario that I'm talking about are these uh, free scanners and free tune-up utilities and so forth that uh, promise to speed up your PC or your Mac. I'm sure they're out there, too. And, uh, you know, they tout themselves as a free download. And they do that because, yep, they will absolutely download for free. They will even analyze your system for free. And then if you want to actually do something, that's when they ask for money. Those are tools and utilities that I intensely dislike because I feels very misleading. Very often, free can be misleading. The other side of that coin is that there are free versions of software that are truly free. They may be limited in some respect as compared to a more, um, you know, an upsell to a, to a a paid version of the same product. What I'm thinking of here specifically are tools like uh, backup utilities, like Macrium Reflect or EaseUS To Do, the ones that I end up recommending on Ask Leo all the time, because each of them has what I would call a truly free or a mostly free version. In other words, you can use that utility. You don't need to do anything more and you actually will have a good solid backup utility for your system. You won't have necessarily uh, support. You may get the occasional upsell. To try, you know, their paid version. Um, I know that um, To Do tends to do that a little bit more than than Reflect does. But the point is, you've got a very valuable utility for a very important job for free, truly for free. Um, and it may be limited in some fashion. In the case of uh, Reflect, I think they only do differential backups and don't do any incrementals. In the case of um, Eases to do. I think they'll do incrementals and um, uh, differentials, but they won't necessarily allow you to schedule anything, you know, to have things be automated. There are various features that you, you know, that a free product may elect to simply turn off in order to be free. In that case, it's serving two distinct jobs. It's actually acting as a very valuable free utility for the task at hand, but It's clearly also marketing by the parent company to say, hey, if you really like this free utility and you're kind of champing at the bit to get those features that aren't included, sure, you can upgrade for a few bucks and then you'll get support, you'll get this feature, you'll get that feature. In a lot of ways, free can simply be that, a form of marketing. In a sense, that's kind of what happened to you, right? Your free book became accidental marketing for your skills as an author. And I think that that's awesome, but it's also a very intentional approach that many companies do take. Yeah. Another one uh, Uh are services like Dropbox. And I mentioned Dropbox specifically because you know what? Their free service is great. They don't really try and push you to upgrade all that often. They do let you know that it's available, that if you need more space, uh, you know, you can always upgrade to, to the next level up, but the free version is very useful, very, very helpful, and something that, you know, if people aren't using OneDrive because it happens to come with Windows, then, uh, you know, using Dropbox is a fine, fine solution. Now, if you suddenly end up using Dropbox for a fair amount of time and you like it and you need more space, you decide it's the right solution, sure, buy a plan. I did right? It's, it's where I store like a terabyte and a half of photographs these days. So I've got both, um, you know, across multiple computers and off-site backup of something that is very, very important to me. But it was a decision, not something that I was forced into. And in fact, I did math to determine what, you know, what the payoff would be in terms of the other storage options. OneDrive is I think something akin to what you were talking about before we started recording. And that's the kind of things that are included with your operating system. Yeah. They're free, but they're not, right? I mean, they're, you paid for your Mac and you got Mac OS or you paid for your PC or you paid for a copy of Windows at some point in the past, be it with the PC or you actually purchased a copy at some point. And it came with all these things, all these utilities. Um, OneDrive would be the classic example on the PC, very much like um, Dropbox. You can use it completely for free, no additional cost beyond the operating system. And if you want more space, sure, you can pay more money. You'll get a few more features in the deal uh mac you were saying that there's a bunch of applications that basically come free oh
1: sure yeah lots of them and you know i mean it just pays for uh you know apple wants people to buy their hardware so that but you know they have to make you like their hardware once you have it and hardware needs software and so they can justify having apps like pages numbers keynote iMovie garageband you know for free. I mean, but these cost the money to develop, right. but you know, it, it makes the Mac better to have those. So they can say, well, the, the cost of that is completely, you know, rolled into the hardware sales.
0: The um it, like I was saying, it's another form of marketing. It's very subtle marketing, Um, and those are good utilities. It's not like they're giving you cheap knockoffs. No. Yes, uh, with with your Mac OS, when you've got that, there are actually some serious applications. And very often, once you purchase your Mac with everything that comes with it, you have everything you need to do whatever it is you're trying to do.
1: Right, and that goal, you know, if you if you try to look at the goal of why the software is free. Um, You know, you look at the goal and the goal matches there, you know, if they made, uh, you know, bad applications be like, well, if you don't want to pay for Microsoft Word, here's, you know, piece of junk uh, word processor um, that wouldn't fulfill the goal of making people like the hardware and want to keep buying Macs and recommending Macs. Mm -hmm. The goal is to have a nice piece of software that comes with it and people say nice things. Uh, The same thing with the, uh, you know, a service like Dropbox is, you know, here's the free five gigabytes or whatever. And you would be like, oh, this is really nice. I really like this. So now maybe I need, do need more space. I'll choose Dropbox over you know, Google Drive or whatever. Right. Um, so a lot of times the goal of the product being free, if you just look at the reasoning, why do they have this as free? And does that reason match with what I want? Like is the reason let's make this really good <laughs> then yes, I want a piece of good software. So this matches, um, you know, and usually, of course, you'll find something there, you know, some, some reason. Now, if the reason is to sell you, you know, here's a free tool and we want to sell you this anti-malware thing that you don't need. Right. Now it doesn't really match what you want. Right. Right. So, you know, look for the reasoning behind it. i once going way back to the beginning of the show, you, you know, you talked about Gmail. Right. And I actually, this was years ago, so I'm sure it's okay to say, but I once met with somebody from Google um, who was working on a, you know, one of these Google products that you're like, why is Google doing this, right? It has nothing to do with a search engine, you know, it's completely off. And, um, and they said that basically Google makes money, the more people are online, right? They have such a huge uh, piece of the ad market online and now today in mobile, um, That the more that people are online, the more money Google makes. So instead of trying to justify every single thing they do, they just look at it as, will creating this thing and giving it away for free make people spend more time online? Because if it does, Google will make more money. Interesting. And I thought that's a really interesting thing because they could justify something like Gmail. Like, think about the fact that you were talking about your newsletter that went out, right? Right. I mean, that's a reason people go online. To read your newsletter, and they may click on a link and they go to a web page. And what's at the web page? Google Ads, right? So, um, providing a good way to get email, and one of the main things Gmail does is it's really good at filtering out spam. You know, making their service good so people won't feel like, oh, my email, forget about it. It's just overwhelmed with spam, whatever. But making them feel I can go online. Oh, here's one of the newsletters I subscribe to. Let me read it. That's all in the end, going to lead to more money into Google's pocket so they can justify spending money on Gmail, giving it away for free because people will spend more time online because Gmail exists.
0: That's fascinating. I actually hadn't thought about that, but it makes total sense. It really mm-hmm. does. From a, And it's only a company like G, like Google um, yeah. or potentially some of the other players like Microsoft or, or uh, um, I'm not actually sure. Facebook at this point too, because they've got their fingers in so many things. Well, well the I mean even being that just, you know, encouraging more people or providing yeah. enough functionality for more people to spend more time online, um, you know, regardless of how they're spending their time online, it ends up uh benefiting the, the company.
1: Well, it works at a small scale too. A company that creates 3D software um may also fund a free site for 3D models. And why would you get all these 3D models for free? Well. Because if you you know to use them, you may want to buy their software. Right. You know, so having like you know, if you buy their buy their software in a vacuum and there's no good resources out there for 3D models, you know, less people are going to be using 3D software. So it's worth it to them to say, hey, let's throw some money at a big site that's free 3D models because that's our our business. So you know, Google's on the mega scale in terms of more people on the internet, and it and a company that develops a single app may be on kind of the micro scale.
0: Interesting. Yep. Yep, very true. Now, there's one more thing I wanted to touch on, and that actually is related to an article that I stumbled across called We've Reached the End of Free, yeah. uh, which is something I know that you and I also actually don't necessarily agree on. But it does point out something that we both have experienced, and that is free is harder these days. Um, the, the biggest thing is that, uh, from my perspective, things like the advertising market on which Ask Leo has uh relied on for you know since its inception to be honest uh since, you know two thousand and three uh, it 's harder there people are becoming ad blind they're ad blockers ads aren 't effective as they used to be. the money isn 't there as much as it used to be, and that has resulted in two things: one uh sites not making enough money to survive, and that happens, and the other is advertising getting more aggressive, which is really annoying and basically also feeds the more ad blockers to stop more ads. It's almost a vicious circle of people um, you know blocking ads, causing ads to be more invasive, causing ad blockers to be more aggressive, and so on, and so on. Um, mm. but the the issue there, of course, is that making money online isn't necessarily as easy as it once was because, advertising is what it used to be all about and it's not as effective anymore now we're seeing the rise of things like patreon like you mentioned earlier huh. um, I've done my I've I did I was on patreon for a while I've since rolled my own just because there were some issues of patreon uh, not handling not really handling things the way I wanted things to be handled but the point being though that patronage models and subscription models which I know a lot of people rail against um, are, more frequently being implemented by companies either in lieu of free offerings or, um, I don't want to put this, basically a number of companies are very slowly and very carefully rolling back what's included in some of their free offerings in order to get people to uh, pay up usually for some kind of subscription. Um, and it's 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 something that I know a lot of people have a hard time with. Let's face it, not everybody can afford to pay for so much of what's free online. Uh, the fact that it's free online is awesome for a lot of people. And advertising was a great way for that to, to work as long as the uh, uh, the sites and the services were making the money they needed to survive. But with that not happening, uh, a lot of what's happening is that the people who can't afford to pay are the folks losing out as a lot of what was free is becoming paid.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking as you were talking about also in addition to it being harder to do things for free. I think maybe the, the goal lines or the goalpost is being moved. (laughs) Um, Hear me out. How many times have you uh, heard about a TV show and then said, well, I want to watch that. And then you find out it's on Netflix and you immediately think, Oh good. I can watch it for free. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course you correct yourself. They don't know actually, I mean, it's not for free. It's I pay for Netflix, but I'm going to pay for Netflix, whether they come out with this new show or not. Um, I catch myself doing that all the time. And then it made me think about uh, even earlier than that, occasionally I would mention to somebody that uh, my games are free, you know, oh, you know, so back in like 2002, you know, oh yeah, I've got a, a game online. It's free. And somebody will say, well, it's not free. I mean, I have to pay for my internet connection. Right, and then I think, oh well, yeah. I mean, you're not paying me for your internet connection, <laughs> but you are paying somebody. That's true. So, in a way, there are subtle ways that uh, even free is not free. And with the idea that you know, people thinking of if it's on Netflix, it's free. Uh, you know, if you have that subscription, it's free. And some online sites are moving to this model now, where there there is like a, a subscription to a network. Or something like even, um, you know, YouTube's got a subscription thing where you can join, and and in addition to getting the ads taken off, uh, every once in a while there's some content that you can't normally get or you have to pay for right. that you right. get for free. Uh, same thing with Audible too. I noticed now for audiobooks, I I actually bought got my first audiobook that I it cost me nothing. Like I was just like, oh, I want to check out, oh, wait, it, this should cost a credit. Why is it zero credits? And it took me a while to dig and find out, oh, this book happens to be in some special program where because I'm subscribed to Audible, I'm getting it without using a credit. Huh? I didn't know that was a thing. Um, so the idea that things were free probably never was completely true. Um, but the the goal line for like what is free now might be moved into people thinking that you know, if you've got the subscription already, you're already paying money. This piece of content is free on top of
0: that. It's the incremental free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. It's funny because you're talking about Netflix and yes, you know, we watch our share of Netflix. I ended up adding a subscription last night um, <laughs> to a uh, Brit box, which has oh. a lot of the British TV shows uh, available on it. And there's a, like, there was a list that we'd been accumulating okay we want we we'll want to watch that one want to watch that one want to mm. watch that one and we just basically hit the tipping point where it's like okay let's just go ahead and add the subscription mm. um, which and and I did do the mental math of okay which subscription and I am I suspending in order to make room for this one right because we weren't watching as many things on it but uh, but yeah you're absolutely right I mean everything on Netflix is, in a sense, incrementally free beyond the base subscription. No matter how much you consume, it's funny because they're um, you may you reminded me actually of a uh, family of newsletters, email newsletters huh. that they have a paid model. You can purchase a subscription to any one of them, or and there's like about a dozen of them, and um, you know, and they're all. I want to don't want to necessarily say topically related but they're related in the sense that they're all fairly deep thinking um fairly i mean they're premium newsletters they're quality content mm-hmm. and uh, what they did is they got together as a group and now you can pay for I'm, I'm not even sure what the increment if it's the equivalent of, of subscribing to two or to three you get all 12 but you get access to all 12 it's not like all of them are showing up in your inbox it's like you now have access to subscribing to any of them for quote unquote That's free perfect perfect. on top of your monthly, uh, your, your, your annual or whatever it is, subscription cost, which is actually kind of cool. I, I went there for one newsletter, took a look at a couple of the others and decided to go all in because it looked like really good content. Well,
1: uh, yeah. Well, actually, uh, you know, Apple uh, launched a while ago, a year, more than a year ago, the Apple News Plus thing. Which is like 300 magazines and a few newspapers um, that you could pay five dollars a month for, mm-hmm. and then through the news app on your Mac or iPhone, you can get access to all the content from those publications. Uh, I actually paid for it for a little while, but then I really wasn't reading any of it, so I couldn't really justify keep paying five bucks a month. So I just mm-hmm. let it, le- you know, I, I let it go. But then Apple introduced the bundle, and I was already paying a lot for storage space and then Apple TV plus, and then Apple music. And I think at that point I was already paying the amount that the bundle was. So then I would switch to the bundle and the bundle threw in Apple news plus. Right. And I actually had missed it a little bit, not because I was like, oh, I really want to read those magazines. But every once in a while I would see an article in my regular feed and huh. it would be at one of those places. And it's like, oh, well, I would read this if I had it. So now I think when I see that, I said, oh, I could read that for free. <laughs> and of course, I'm not. It's part of my bundle, but I'm not. Right. I'm actually paying less now. I'm actually right. paying $5 less now than before they had the bundle. Right. So in a way, they're paying me to read these articles. No, uh, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Again, it's like free, not free. I also have Apple Fitness Plus, which I've never even once looked at. Um, so you know but it's all part of the bundle so bundles give you this kind of weird sense of free uh i've got uh i I think i'm getting pretty much hulu for free not really because i'm in the bundle with disney plus right right. so there's kind you know it's weird it's really blurry now um you know anything for anything to be truly free yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> free,
0: free free is definitely not free, but it sure is complicated.
1: I think you it's, have it's to the, you have to really look at the, you know, you have to really think of value, what value you're getting out of things, and.
0: Uh, I think something you alluded to earlier, I think, is probably pro- one of the most important takeaways for our listener here, and that is simply that when you encounter something that is quote unquote free, make sure you understand uh, what that means. And why it's free. Yeah. Uh, it could be free because you're actually paying for a service. So it's not free, the Netflix scenario. Um, it could be free because it's an explicit marketing tactic. They want you to try their product um, in some limited form and uh, hopefully get you to fall in love with it so that you're willing to spend money on it. It could be free because it's, uh, you know, has. I don't necessarily want to call it malicious intent, although those are out there as well, but I'll just say less than honorable intent, right? They want to show ads for unrelated stuff at you when you install the software, or in worst case, even uninstall software that you didn't ask for. Or it could be, again, as you mentioned earlier, it could be uh, someone on a mission. They just have. A thing that they care passionately about yeah, and want passion, to promote yeah. in the world, um, and of course, um, the one that I really, I really like that you mentioned that I hadn't thought of was it could be someone practicing. It could be someone trying to establish a track record that they could then eventually end up using to market themselves for a job or some other company. Some other yeah,
1: so, sometimes the guy playing the the uh, playing the piano in the, you know the outside in the park is doing it because he loves playing the piano and having other people enjoy the music yep sometimes that's all it is
0: sometimes that's all it is and he makes his money elsewhere yep but he still has a tip jar out
1: well well, (laughs) sometimes sometimes not sometimes that guy is is rich (laughs) or makes plenty of money
0: yeah and just
1: likes playing piano in the
0: playing in public yep yeah Um, Let's see. So let's, I think that pretty much wraps up what I wanted to talk about with respect to free. Let's move on to some cool stuff. So I mentioned earlier that um, when I was ranting about character encoding, that I was on vacation last week, I took a few days, my wife and I took a few days, uh, took our trailer out to the Pacific coast, where we spent, I think, four nights uh, as part of a group a group of, of all things, corgi owners. We did had been doing this every year for some time. We skipped last year because of COVID. We skipped the year before that because of life. Um, But the bottom line is what was really cool was actually seeing real people, Um, getting together with real people, uh, being able to hug vaccinated people. I mean, it was and and the fact you know me being you know me thinking that hugging people is cool is actually quite the change over a lifetime but um it's it was actually really really nice to see people again and and have those discussions and share meals and and just sort of enjoy things so most definitely a non-tech, ain't it cool? But it is something that I know a lot of people are looking forward to as we very slowly come out of the pandemic. And I just wanted
1: yep. to Yep. I'll be seeing some vaccinated that. people next week, which is why we won't have a show. Um <laughs> uh, so looking forward to that too. Yep.
0: Yeah um, so oh, and by the way, to put a little bit of you know, tech on this, um, on one hand, it was really cool that I had connectivity while I was there right? That I, mm. I mean, we're literally out on the Washington coast. We're on the edge of cell reception and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I had great connectivity the entire time. Um, it's a mixed blessing because of course, then I'm not disconnected and I was paying attention to things and I was fixing problems. But nonetheless, um, you know, from a technological standpoint, uh, from a tech enthusiast standpoint, that too was actually pretty cool. Mm. Cool.
1: Um, I, I read a cool book last week uh actually listened to a cool book Mm -hmm. (laughs) um called uh the bomber mafia which is malcolm gladwell's latest book but uh i want to specifically say i listened to it because he actually originally put it together as an audio only book um kind of as an audio show Mm -hmm. it's not long it's like between five and six hours it includes lots of uh Sound mixing and interviews. So mm-hmm. when he went out and interviewed people for this book, or found old audio to use, he it's in there. Uh, you know so the stuff that you would read in a book in quotes, you actually hear the person's voice speaking yeah. a lot of the time. Uh, really cool book. Uh, he, they did actually come out with a print version of it, but if you're going to listen to only one audiobook, <laughs> you know <laughs> a, a book that is, you know meant to be an audiobook, as opposed to a book that's meant to be on paper, but you're listening to it. it's like the opposite and it's cool. It's about uh world war two and um, the, uh, it's some tech stuff about, about, you know, how bombers, you know, uh, flight changed war mm-hmm. or in some cases didn't change war as was expected. It's got an interesting kind of outcome to the, to the book and, uh, and some stuff I even though I've read a lot of World War II history, I have some stuff I really had never thought about or never heard about when it comes to um, the rise of, of planes and bombers in war. So Cool. Cool stuff.
0: Um, this week, I want to point people at, should I just hire a hacker to recover my account? It's askleo.com slash 133759. So I don't know if you get this, Gary, uh, mm. but when I post videos on YouTube that talk about recovering accounts or talk about even hacking accounts, which there are a couple on on that topic as well. I immediately get a very slow, but very steady pace of comments on those videos saying, Hey, hacker. So-and-so on WhatsApp recovered my account, Mm. you know, hacker. So-and-so with, with this Instagram account recovered my account. I was Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. Yeah.
0: Um, and of course, I mean, you know that they're all scams. They are all about preying on the desperate. And as we know, when people have lost some of their accounts, they can be very, very desperate. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the concept here is the article is really just about not just debunking that, but also explaining why. Hacker doesn't have any special access, they can't do anything that you can't already do. And in fact, what hackers actually hack is not the technology but the people behind it. Hmm.
1: Did De- you? Me, I'm, I'm going to actually point to the video we were talking about earlier about uh, uh, the uh, how to type special alternative character glyphs on your Mac.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay, so.
1: So you've got your link there and so does everybody else. (laughs) Yay.
0: All right. I think that's a a good wrap up for this week. So as you heard, Gary will be out next week. So we'll probably won't have an episode next week. Uh, The week after that, we need to talk. I don't know. (laughs) We need to talk. Yeah. Uh, I may be driving (laughs) during our normal record time. So we'll compensate. So
1: maybe a a small break, but. But uh, we're not taking a summer break. We're just... Certainly not. We'll so just we'll figure work. out figure out when we can get shows in.
0: Yep. And we're going to try and rope in one of our other former co-hosts, now occasional guests, to uh, to join us as well. Yep. At any rate, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh137. If you've got a comment or a question, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. Or you can always leave a comment on the aforementioned show notes page. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And we will see you here again sometime. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.